Hello, my name is Anoa Changa. The Way with Anoa. Good evening, everybody. How are you? Yay. It is February 1st. Oh, we're getting so much closer to spring again. If you were in the southern states like me, then you probably had some pretty decent weather. I mean, you may have had pretty good weather elsewhere, too, but I'm excited because that means our spring is like really close. Um, welcome to this edition of The Way of Noah. If you guys caught me on Sunday, Brandon and I chopped it up a bit about um you know, some of the stuff going on, we've seen, you know, the Muslim, Muslim ban, you know, the travel ban that was, that was put into place by, uh, I can't even call him POTUS, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so there's a lot going on as always. Um, so much happening today. Yeah. Uh, Rex Tillerson was confirmed for, um, secretary of state. Uh, there are some people who are one of primary, the Democrats who voted for him. Uh, I think some of their people out there who really fundamentally don't understand these corporatist Democrats and how they have been allowed to exist. I'm sure some of you have not paid attention to people like Joe Manchin previously, but um, he was my governor. He was my senator. He's always been a mess. He continues to be a mess. You can't primary him and had a, had some really productive conversation before he came online, but primarying Joe Manchin is not going to happen successfully without um, local leadership. It has to be a local state driven. It can't be some top down organization saying we need to get rid of him. It has to be from people on the ground who are out there and they need resources put behind them because do not have people out in West Virginia, do not have folks out in North Dakota, you know, to, to primary center out there. Do not have these people in these, these really like, like, like struggling, you know, rural areas out there grinding if you're not prepared to back them up. Like that's, that's just what I want to say. Same thing when we're talking about having, you know, going into urban communities and trying to get people to really go up against entrenched leadership. You have to be prepared. If we're going to be saying to people that we're on, we need, we need people to be leaders. We need a primary folks. We have to be prepared. These national organizations are saying we're going to do this. We're taking on the party. You have to be prepared to have people's backs. Like I remember when we were in West Virginia and I remember before we left, you know, talking, getting started, you're really loud about certain things environmentally. I remember family members and classmates like, yo, please be careful driving home at night. Like the coal industry, the energy, you know, the natural gas energy, <laughs> yo, <laughs> they worry about thugs in Chicago. <laughs> I'll be worried about thugs like them. Okay. Like, 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 like it's no joke. If you want people going into the Southern coal fields, you really got to be prepared to one, put in the resources and manpower to support those efforts. And you got to have people's backs. You can't just have them out there dangling. You, you, you can't go in there just to make a point. You got to be serious about winning. Um, but I, but, 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 you know, that's, that's a whole nother side. Like that's, you know, these come in, everybody talks a lot of really big talk about, you know, this, that, and the other, we're going to do this going into the election. If what you're doing and what you're building is not about empowering people locally, if it's not about building up local leadership, working with individuals, and you're trying to put some top-down 50,000-foot view on stuff, you will not be successful. 
that's just that's that's just where it's born. I mean, plain and simple. So what I wanted to talk about tonight, and what I am going to talk about tonight, and um, you know, I have some cool people come on and talk with me, and I'm really really excited for a sister who's getting ready to come in and join us. Um, again, this weekend we saw outpouring, and it doesn't matter. No, I'm not Muslim. I do not have refugees in my immediate family. I am not an immigrant immediately. My my grandparents' parents, my grandparents were first generation. Their parents were immigrants on my dad's side. My mother's family were slaves. Um, but that does not mean that what has happened over the weekend and really the expansive nature that the order took beyond those seven countries, right? They were listed in the initial ban. Like what happened this weekend, what continues to happen from these different or- executive orders to the, 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 the fakery that was the Black History Month um, I don't know what Trump called it this morning with his circle of coons around him. Like, seriously, it does not matter. <laughs> it all affects us. We're all people. It all affects us. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say that immigrant issues are my issues because I'm, a, I'm black and blah, blah, blah. That's, that's people who say stuff like that because there are people saying dumb stuff like that. It's dumb. It's just dumb. Like, tyranny, oppression, we can't talk about black liberation. We can't talk about lifting up black people if we stand by and watch, you know, other people have atrocities happening to them. So this weekend I watched and heard accounts of mothers being taken away from their children. I mean, there's an account of a Detroit family. The mom died waiting to be cleared. Um, there's another account of a baby that was taken away from her mother. The mother was only a legal resident. The child was a U.S. citizen. The child was was a 10-month-old or 11-month-old who was breastfeeding and was separated from her mother. Like, this is where we're at right now of the level of insanity, right? And so it doesn't matter who voted for whom. I don't really care. doesn't matter, you know, what you personally think about illegal immigration. I don't really care. What does, It doesn't really matter at this moment right now what Barack Obama did and didn't do. I don't really care. Um, in the grand scheme of things, these are all things that we need to talk about. These are all points of consideration. But right now, we're talking about these needs for mass mobilization and getting information out, right? And not just, and again, we all can't be so focused on this one hyper, you know, egregious incident because there's a whole bunch of other things going, coming down, right? We have more executive orders expect to come down. You know, their thoughts about net neutrality being uh, uh, affected coming up soon, But at the same time, we do need to have these conversations to start getting a better understanding of how do we build out movements? How do we build out coalitions, collaborations, teamwork, right, to be able to address what's coming down the pipeline? Because whether this particular incident affects you specifically, there's going to be something and you're going to wish you had a squad standing with you to resolve it. And this is how we begin to build that, 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 that effort. And no, I'm not about to be one of those, oh my God, we have to resist Trump every single day, people. But at the same time, you know, to deal with the system that we have, we have to deal with the person who's ahead of it, who's who's in charge, right? And 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 I do believe that having conversations about the historical relationship between, in this instance, bans on particular groups of people from being able to either travel within or travel to and from the United States is relevant, regardless of what party the presidential and, and, and congressional leaders belong to, correct? So um, I'm really excited because I'm getting ready to be joined by Namira Islam. Um, she is awesome. I follow her on Twitter and I've gotten to read some pieces by her. Um, but uh, I, I just reached out because I really felt that one one of the statements that was made, and we've talked about this before, but with, 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 uh, this point was made to me 
by Ruth Buffalo about standing rock coverage. You know, we have a lot of people giving voice and talking about things, but to have people from those communities actually be present in conversations, it absolutely puts a completely different context. It also it gives voice. And I'm not doing the work. I, I admire work that's being done. I'm passionate about work's being done, but I'm not doing the work. So it's so much better for me to have someone who's actually involved, actually organizing, actually doing the work, talk to us, right, about some of the issues going on right now versus me just rattling off second or third hand accounts to you. So, um, so Namira is co-founder of um, Mus the Muslim Anti-Racism Collaborative and also serves as the executive director. And I'm really excited for her to come on and talk to us a little bit more about the work they've been doing, as well as to help us put in context um, some of the issues that are going on and particularly how the intersection between um, this anti-immigration, anti-refugee, you know, stance, you know, intersects with uh, racial justice issues, et cetera. Um, you know, the, the Muslim ARC is a faith-based human rights organization, um, you know, dealing with education and focusing on racial justice. So I, I just reached out to her because I felt like she'd be a really great person and timely in this conversation. So hi, Mary, are you there? Okay, well, she is coming in. I just saw her popped in. But she's coming in and she's getting getting in ready. But but like um, check out the Muslim Arc on 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 on, on the web. It's www.muslimarc.org. Um, there's some great work and programming and stuff. Check them out on Facebook as well, Facebook and Twitter as well. Um, but I just really thought like everything that's going on. You know, they're doing some work around like issues with colorism. Um, I saw on their Facebook page that they had said some activities about being black and Muslim. You know, we people talk people talk a lot about liberation and you know getting free and, and social movement building and, and and equality for all. We these are not just words, right? This has to be lived practice. We have to have increased awareness as we're moving forward in our work to be able to build out like successful efforts. And there are people who are actually doing that. Um, and this is one group that I've come across that is actually you know working. To 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 at, at various intersections, right? Like the website, like I said, is pretty cool. Um, it it has different sections, like because you know when people say Muslim, they act like Muslim is race. Hello, hi, how are you? Oh, we can't hear you. I think you might be muted. Hello? <laughs> okay, I'll message you the number just in case you need to. Wait, did, but can you hear her laughing? Yeah, can you hear me? No, I can hear you, yay! I thought I heard you laughing. Hi, how are you? Good, I'm good, how are you? I don't know, I for some reason I like, tried getting onto the Google Hangout on my computer, but it's just not <laughs> working. Google Hangouts can be funky sometimes, but thank you so much for taking some time. I know you have another meeting uh, in a little bit. So thank you for hopping on. I appreciate you. Glad to be here. Um, so, so much. I know there's probably so much going on usually, but there's so much more that we're aware of that's actually going on right now with this, this travel ban, this Muslim ban, as everyone's been, as has been dubbed um, from the executive order by President Trump. 
how has that been like through your work and personally for you, like how has that been just watching this all unfold? And then, I mean, there's some people saying, well, this has already been happening from Obama. Is, is it different now? Is there something different that's happening now? Or is this just more of the same old, same old that we've been seeing or that you've been, that other people have been seeing? We lost her, but I'll get her back. That, that that that's you know why we. I'll um drop her the number. <laughs> Unfortunately, Google doesn't like us sometimes, but it's okay. I mean, Google's all pro. Um, Google is all pro uh, stuff until I guess they gotta. Until they have to, um, you know, I guess, like promote it or whatever. But this is why net neutrality is important, right? Because if they don't like my content, they can slow me down or bump my guest off. This happened with Dr. Emoja. I don't know if you guys remember when I talked to Dr. Akinyele Emoja. This happened when I talked to him too. Um, Google was shutting off and not wanting to talk about Black Revolution. Yay! She's back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah, you're good, you're good. Good, okay. This works better. For some reason, it just kicked me out on my phone, too. So <laughs> let's see. <laughs> that it was sick. Um, you were asking me, though, how it's been just watching, right? Right. <laughs> um, I mean, I think it's, for me, I feel a lot of frustration in terms mm -hmm. of the work that we've been doing. I mean, we've been around since 2014 is when we first officially launched. And just watching how things have unfolded throughout the campaign, I mean, it wasn't as if it came as a surprise that he actually signed the order, right? Like right, it was right. this feeling that we have, he's been talking about this Muslim ban throughout the campaign. He's been really relying on it as, you know, the dog whistle with all the other, you know, anti-blackness, anti-Latino and immigrant sentiment, uh, sexist sentiment. Like he's been using this to win the election. So for this to just come in right now, there's, definitely a deep sense of frustration in terms of we saw this coming <laughs> um mm -hmm. i think the other part of it too is just the human cost of his policies that he just doesn't really care you know at the end of the day that um people are being stopped at the border from having lived here you know they have lives right. here. They have spent years getting vetted as refugees um and now all of a sudden by the stroke of a pen it's just stopped, you know? Um, I think that is really frustrating. Uh, the sensation of, I think a lot of us who have taken these overseas flights, it's like, mm -hmm. you know that it's these like 18 hour flights and you prep for so long and it's this big endeavor and then just get to an airport arbitrarily be told that you cannot enter and that you need to leave again to somewhere where it's not home. I mean, it's or somewhere where you know they're going to be killed. I mean, that's part of it is that there is life and death in the balance. And we saw this earlier under President Obama's watch with some of the people that he deported. People were killed when they were returned. So it is very serious and it's very frustrating um, to watch. At the same time, I think, you know, knowing that people are taking it more seriously, that's been positive. At least it's like the response when we're asking, like, do something, go here, go here, sign this petition, make the call. Um, at least people are responding to that. So that's, you know, the other, the flip side of that. Yeah, that, that's, 
that's a good point that you just made about how you know people because because that's what I've, I've, I've focused on i don't don't mean to belittle the fact that's just the basic fact that people are being taken away but like you just said is a long arduous process just the traveling part right not even everything that leads up to even getting the approval and like you said with people who are legal residents green card holders people who already live in the states they already have homes here families here but for other folks who are coming over as refugees you know that's a long that's a long process right that they've already gone through an approval and and there are serious stakes at hand and i and i and for people who are just like well it's not that big of a deal it's just 90 days i mean 90 days seems like it can make a world of difference in in the life of someone with dire needs Absolutely. I mean, if you look at some of the stories that immigration attorneys have been talking about, I mean, one, the refugee process, like I've been saying, refugees are vetted more than our current president, right? Like they have to submit multiple forms of documentation, which is already difficult when you're having to just like pack up yourself and flee because of bombing and other um, really severe circumstances and you just have to pick stuff up and go. Um, And so imagine like the fact that you know, if you had to right now, like, leave your home with everything you have because you're being bombed or because there's an army coming in or other forces that are not affiliated with the state army, um, at that point, what do you do? You know, are you going to grab your important documents? Like, people have had to prep for this. And so then when it comes to the refugee process, one, we're not accepting that many refugees. Two, some of the individuals, like, they're having to get documentation from multiple international agencies. um, And then they also need to submit for clearance, essentially, they're vetting them really thoroughly to make sure that they are not a harm to the country. And and so at that point, this is just, I think the frustrating thing about it is that this doesn't make us safer. It's the illusion of safety. And so many white supremacist policies at the end of the day are about the illusion of safety. And it's at the expense of uh, people's lives. Yeah, so... So just thinking about all that or whatever, how does Muslim Arc, how do you, how does your work fit into, does it fit into what's going on? Um, and or, or even just building within our communities, right? Because because there's there's a lot of solidarity work right now, which is great. But at the same time, we've seen over the last several years, a lot of intolerance, a lot of mistrust and, and, and just from, from poorly educated, you know, interactions. And so how do we... How does Ms. like how do how do you how do you see racial justice as a part of the work that you're doing or even a part of this whole conversation we're having? No, absolutely. I mean, one of the reasons that we were founded was essentially Muslims in the United States, Muslims globally, really, but especially in the United States, we're the most diverse religious group. So mm-hmm. we have people who represent nearly every race, um, you know, down to different ethnicities and, and skin tones and skin colors. And for us as a faith-based organization, we really talk about the fact that this is um, divine. It's not It's not something that we stumbled into. And in fact, like mm-hmm. two verses that we really talk about a lot, um, verse 3022, which talks about the diversity of our languages and our colors mm-hmm. being signs of God for those of knowledge. And then the other verse that we really focus on a lot when it comes to solidarity efforts is verse 4913. Uh, so chapter 49, verse, verse 13, which says that God created us in nations and tribes so that we may know one another. And that is where the crux of our work comes in, is that we are of diverse communities. We already Mm -hmm. have our different, like, nations or different tribes that we're part of. 
but we don't get to know each other across those lines. And so when that happens, in a lot of ways, that is what allows injustice and oppression to flourish, is that we're not, we don't have each other's backs because ultimately at the end of the day, we don't know each other as well as we should. Um, and if you think about white supremacy from that lens, one of the things that white supremacy has been really good at is to ensure that it is dividing and keeping people in very, um, very, what's the word? It's, it's inflexible. It's very rigid <laughs> of where people belong. Um, and so there's there's very little space for some of these overlapping identities. And one of the things that we see with the organizing work that has been happening, especially since 9-11, is kind of these buckets of organizing. So, for example, you have like the API organizing, which is like mm -hmm. the organizing. You've got the um, Latino organizing, the black organizing. And then when you look at the Muslim organizing, we're seeing a very, you know, the Arab Muslim categorization. Um, right. That's often where the organizing has been, while at the end of the day, the biggest group, the biggest ethnic group um, of Muslims in the United States is Black. So how does that intersect and what is decided mm -hmm. to be a Muslim issue? Um, and so that's where a lot of this stuff really comes from, is that our work is designed to take racial justice um, in a much more representative way uh, and to reclaim our position and our role in advocating for social justice as Muslims who are actually look like the demographics. Um, a lot of the leadership, a lot of the organizations that we see, um, all well-meaning, all doing great work, but they don't represent what Muslims look like on the ground. And so a lot of the issues that need to be worked on, that need to be addressed, are not getting addressed. And that's really where Muslim art comes in to give um, a space for people to get to know each other, but then also to have each other's backs, to learn organizing, to learn solidarity, uh, to learn strategically. And one of the things I've been saying a lot, and I think that really looks, um, looking at this moment especially, is one way where we can see it, is that collectively when we're looking at groups that have historically been colonized, that have fought off imperialism, and then you're looking at groups that have historically, you know, descendants of enslaved Africans, um, Irish descendants, you know, like different groups who have fought hard against oppression in our historic mm -hmm. kind of DNA. We don't talk to each other <laughs> all the right. time. We don't, we don't talk to each other about like how did we do that, you know, and how what kind of skills, what kind of resources do we have within these spaces? But we're just not all together in that space. So that's really one thing that I'm hoping that we'll see more of is just this cross um, community organizing because there are different skills, different resources, and given the way oh, white supremacy kind of. Puts us in different buckets in the United States. Right. Um, we have different, you know, access to different resources. So that's part of it is that coming together, we can be a lot stronger. And if we have the conceptual framework, which is where our education work comes in, then we know where to progress and how to move forward. Awesome. So, how has it been with working with other organizations, either, you know, other organizations focusing on racial justice issues or other, you know, more Muslim faith based organizations? It's been really fascinating. Um, I think we, I mean, I'll give you a couple of examples. So like last year, um, I keynoted for the Minidoka Pilgrimage. And this is a group of Japanese Americans, um, mm -hmm. individuals who were children in the camps, for example, um, who every year they go back to the Minidoka camp in Twin mm -hmm. Falls, Idaho, and have like a day long of programming. And then the next day they actually go to the site and you know, visit uh, kind of the reconstruction of some of the barracks and the mess hall and all of that. Mm -hmm. um, but they spend that time really reflecting on 
when it happens um, and making sure that new generations understand and friends and family understand. Um, so they invited me there. And the reason was because they wanted somebody who had an understanding of social justice and especially racial justice and to be able to make the ties between uh, the treatment of Japanese Americans after Pearl Harbor and the treatment of Muslims after 9-11. And this is kind of this very, um, given the way the mainstream media kind of talks about things and our understanding, it seems very strange to be like, oh yeah, Japanese Muslim solidarity. You know, it doesn't necessarily come up right away as something that would make a lot of sense. Um, But that space for me, I mean, ended up being the first time since 9-11 where I was in like a non-Muslim space and ended up feeling completely free to where I wouldn't have to kind of defend myself or, you know, try to push back against stereotypes. And it was, it was a very powerful space. And the thing is that as I was listening to them talk about some of the, the issues that they had under the community had, had uh, the biggest issues that they were kind of debating um, Mm -hmm. during internment, I realized that they reflected completely reflected discussions that we're having about patriotism and all this stuff right now. Okay. Um, and, and it's something like that, that really essentially when we're looking at the work that's being done with different organizations, um, we find a lot of threads that are in common, but we often talk about them in different ways. So when we're in the same space together, we're able to uh, understand where the mirroring is happening mm-hmm. and understand how the frameworks uh, intersect, but are different. Um, And I think that's been the biggest thing is to understand when we walk into different spaces that white supremacy affects different groups differently. um, And that's very intentional. And to understand the different narratives that take root in different places. So that way we can then unpack it and recreate our own narrative rather than just accept the one that's been handed to us. Right, right. Definitely. So like as you're as you're moving forward i mean the work is ongoing right i mean your relationship building is ongoing the work you're doing is ongoing but as you know are is this but again is this even really a new era because because this keeps getting framed as like we're in this new you know really really like dangerous era for 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 minorities and people of color and and while there definitely does seem to be a sense of 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 height and urgency because of the way trump is attacking things I mean, like we just talked about, there have been a lot of issues that we've been working to address overall. So how do you all, how does your group, how do you navigate this? Yeah. So, you know, this is why, you know, I set up for patrons and we crowdfund and do things because the OBS, the free, the free open source stuff, it works sometimes, (laughs) sometimes it doesn't. Um, But I was asking you before we, before it crashed, um, I was asking you just about like, you know, we're in this, this current era and there's a sense of urgency, like with every issue under the sun. Um, 
So how do we balance or how do you guys balance, right? Like this, this, this new frenzied pace that other people seem to be moving at, or do, do you even worry about that with the work, the, the, the already the deep rooted systemic issues you've already been working with? Right. And I think the balance is hard just because mm-hmm. for some, some issues, there's new groups that mm-hmm. in some ways have not been mobilized. You know, for many people, it's like the first time they ever went out to protest. Right. <laughs> so, you know, like, and it's like for them, when they're rushing in, we do want to make sure that we're opening up the space to be like, okay, good, you're in here, now stay in here, you know, but also to to not, yeah, be rushing from one thing to another. Um, the way we really, since we are like a human rights education organization, one of the things we do is to provide that historical education of, hey, reminder, this has happened before, and this is right. how it happened. But then to make sure that we're providing the tie to how it reflects our current status. Mm-hmm. So that way it's it's making the thread, you know, the thread of time, um, essentially the thread of communities that have gone through it before um, in different ways and just kind of making sure to reiterate that rather than coming into the rhetoric of like, you know, for example, it's like people saying that the protests are just, you know, it's a new movement right now that's starting. And it's like, no, this has been here, right. <laughs> you know, and to remind people of that, there's all kinds of lessons because one, it's like the historical knowledge of of how to frame that. And then also there's the centering of who has been here because that is where people need to be taking their lead from. But if they're just coming to with this conclusion that, oh, I'm just starting, you know, this new thing and nobody's been in the space before, then it automatically leads to the microaggressions, to the erasures, to the minimizations of other people who have been fighting, you know, namely black leaders, right? So um, that perpetuates the entire bigger systemic problem. And for us, we are really talking about the fact that the intersections in order, I mean, essentially, you know, black liberation means liberation for everybody. Like trying to really get people to understand that by making the historical ties apparent um, and also relating it in a, in a system to be like, this is the framework we're providing the education to understand it. Um, oftentimes people just simply don't understand it. They've been taught a certain thing. It's not like our public schools are teaching this for us, right? So, um, we need to do a lot of unlearning um, and relearning things, uh, essentially relearning a people's history of the United States. Um, And to do that, you know, we use moments like this where there is heightened interest to just make sure that we are setting the narrative that is centering who needs to be centered. I, I really like that when you said that, like centering who needs to be centered, as well as pushing back on this rhetoric, because I'm tired of all the headlines, right? Is the women's movement the start of a new movement of a new way? Yeah. There's already been all this beautiful and wonderful activism. Mm-hmm. And, and I would hope that the sisters who helped, you know, came on and helped organize the women's movement would also acknowledge, I believe they do also acknowledge, like, no, we're building yeah. on what has already yeah. existed. But the headlines and the spin, exactly. and, it, and 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 it does take away from people like like you guys who have been already doing this stuff. And even though you're a younger organization, there's still like like I always say like when you when you look at the past few years, or even if you go back to like Occupy, you go back to the start yeah. of like Black Lives Matter, you're starting yeah. to see. But even if you go back farther than that, right, like post post 9-11 yeah. organizing period, right? Like yeah. we're in a post 9-11 organizing world mm-hmm. and there are so many different issues and stuff. I remember like uh, when I was in college hearing accounts of people post 9-11 
when the, after the Patriot Act, and you know, people would just get snatched up because they may have had some name or some affiliation mm-hmm. because they might have gone to this or they might have walked past the wrong mosque or like all types of stuff, right? And so yeah. we, we really have seen it may not have had the the, the 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 mass urgency that we're seeing like right now because certain people are now their sensibilities are super affected, right? But like we, we've already seen this growth and we've seen this resurgence in activism that probably hasn't been seen in the country on this scale in a few decades, but like it's already been brewing. And so I like yeah. what you said about how we need to center the voices, we need to center the work and not just, not that new people aren't welcome, right? But That's they need to, yeah. right. But when they come into the fold, recognize that you may have skills and ideas that are useful. That's great. But recognize there are people who have been here doing work. It's like, it's like activism colonialism. <laughs> <laughs> it is. No, honestly, that's. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Seriously, it's Columbusing activism. <laughs> Columbusing activism. Yes, that's what it seems like. <laughs> it's not. I mean, it's something that I think for us, like as Muslim Arc, like when we started, our first four months, like we were on the phone with people who were in the space, right? Mm-hmm. Like asking them, like. What would you like to see because you have been working in this field for 20 years or something? You know, like, even though it was a new organization, even though it was tapping into um, an area, it's not like we have really another, like, counterpart organization. Right. <laughs> We're kind of the only okay. one, which is great, but also, like, pressure. But um, in the space of the intersections and how to unlearn and relearn and human, edu- human rights education and all that stuff, but we, we ask people who, like, just because you have an organization now, just because you have a, a logo and branding doesn't mean right. that the work is new. And so we had to make sure to, and I, I mean, I don't know, for me, that's something where I'm just like one of those, one of those people who love elders, right? Like I'm just like, I really, and it's probably because of a lack of elders in my family, like for the most part, mm-hmm. my grandparents and my father, like everybody kind of passed away before age like 65. Um, oh, so okay. I never get to really sit with like, you know, 80 year olds or, you know, kind of these like elders who've been doing the work. And so then now, like when I get to sit with people who have been watching, you know, the country and watching activism and, and thinking about how things have shifted and how things haven't shifted and where the work needs to be for me, that's like a special treasure. And that goes, that same mentality goes into not Columbusing activism because it's like people have been here and then you learn a lot of valuable lessons like it it makes things more efficient that's my other thing is like it needs to be more efficient like let's not recreate you know reinvent the wheel right Um, and that way we can build on what's being done instead of jumping things and starting from scratch um one other thing that you mentioned too was the fact that it wasn't even the organizers necessarily who will say problematic things, but then the spin that's put on it. Right. And that's been one of the trickiest parts because it's like something that we can do, but it's the effort that needs to be added to it to keep re- recentering the narrative we want to center. And people just want to keep going with it, you know, and they want to keep moving it to something that's more comfortable. And we're like, no, you know, like, can we bring it back? Can we bring it back? But it's, it just, it's still, despite knowing that this happens, it's still just dumbfounds. Like I just find it dumbfounding that I keep, we keep having to do it just over and over again. Yeah. It's like the definition of insanity and why they keep doing yes. it the way they do it. <laughs> exactly. But it's also detrimental. Like if there was a real desire to really help, right. To, yep. to bolster the work and center voices, they would listen and not just go with what they go with, but I guess they need their clicks and their, yeah. their retweets and stuff. Um, <laughs> 
But just in thinking about so in thinking about this this the space we now occupy and 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 continuing to move forward, right? And and strengthening not just um I hate I hate the term allyship. I know. But strengthening, you know, collaborative <laughs> efforts, right? Strengthening our, our 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 collaborative efforts, I guess I'll say. You know, what are some takeaways? What are some points that you think that people should really, you know, take into consideration and 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 what should we look for next from from you and Muslim Mark? I think the two biggest things I've been talking about has been money and education. So at the end of the day, nothing talks louder than money. And Mm -hmm. I think it's very like I'm like, I don't joke about money. Right. Like donate to the organizations that need to be centered, donate to the people who are most affected by the work. You know, um, make sure that people are being um, that you're funding organizations and individuals who can bring the valuable work to a wider audience because right right now a lot of it's like you know certain certain efforts are underfunded and that's why we don't hear about them as much or that's why certain things um they're not providing certain services or whatever um and so i think funding has been really important and i think it's um really imperative on people to be very intentional about who they're funding um and so and i don't say that to like oh fund every you know just drop money on muslim mark obviously donate to muslim mark but like (laughs) (laughs) but essentially things like other organizations it's like if we're thinking about are you donating to no dapple are you donating to uh black lives matter and other organizations like black lives matter or you know who are you donating to Mm -hmm. keep that in mind um and then on top of that i think the other thing with the education piece is that somebody cannot spoon feed you all of it so there's there's resources available and it's very important to go and absorb those materials and you know but to be very um independent in your in your scholarship uh and in understanding that there's a lot of unlearning that needs to be done, and then there's the relearning. Um, and we want to make it as easy as possible um, to have like the centralized resource where people can go and and learn and and hear about things differently. But you know, one of the things that it's been really amazing to watch is like how many of our members or people we're affiliated with have made sure to like I've just seen their discourse change you know i've seen the efforts they're involved in change um i mean i've seen it in myself but you know for other people too it's like just watching that that shift um into you know i'm reading this book and i'm watching this documentary and i'm going out to this protest and it's not something that somebody's holding your hand through it but to kind of activate yourself um and and to do that with other people as well to make sure that you are taking ownership of the work that you're doing Um, i think those two things are really key for Muslim Mark, one of the things that we're really focusing on is being very, um, to make it as easy as possible for people to understand where the intersections are. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been kind of the theme is to understand the Muslim ban in a context of white supremacy, in a context of anti-black racism, in the context of the wall, you know, to understand it um, as part of the greater system because part of it is the lack of empathy because we're not taught to have empathy for each other sometimes. And once the connections are are more clear, I think it's easier to put yourself in somebody else's shoes to be like, this is how it felt to know that, you know, an 83 year old grandma was being held and detained at the airport without food for 20 hours. Um, Imagine how it must be felt, you know, how it must feel in an ice camp imagine how it must feel in a prison you know imagine and kind of to be able to let people um 
sit with those stories a little bit more on an emotional level, I think sometimes you need somebody to make that apparent. Like you need somebody to say it and walk you through that process. Um, and that's where Muslim Mark is. One thing that we haven't, um, I guess I'm breaking announcement here, right? Um, <laughs> is that we are going to be having an, a one day anti-racism training in Detroit um, and okay. yep, in the fall. So we don't have okay. the exact date yet, but once we have it, we'll be announcing that. Um, and that's something that we're going to be really working on at this one day training is to really make the overlaps apparent and to put all of this in this larger framework uh, for people so they can come and just absorb and also engage in exercises and workshops and networking as well uh, to figure out where to go from here. Excellent. Yeah. I'm going to definitely stay in touch with you because I want to know more information about that. Good, good. Um, oh yay. Yay. And I'll, I mean, thank you so much. Again, I know you got to get ready because you have, you have another meeting, another phone call, but I do appreciate you so much for taking some time, short notice to, to hop on and, and, and talk. Um, and definitely love to follow up with you some more as things continue to develop and, and shape up or whatever. But, but this is great. Like, I really just like having good conversations with people about the work they're doing. Honestly, um, I, I, these conversations <laughs> for me, partly it actually is self-care. <laughs> and I told somebody this this weekend because like I'm talking to somebody, I'm getting to meet somebody new, connect, like that human connection. I feel like we yeah. like and then also I'm not thinking about other stuff, right? Like my yes. mind is focused here and it is like, self-care in a lot of ways. I'm listening to you talk about, you know, unlearning and building with people and stuff. I'm like, this is, this is, this is what we're supposed to be doing. This, this is, this is what's good in the world. Yay. So thank you. Thank you very much. We'll be in touch. And so thank you so much for reaching out. I, I really Absolutely. love being here. Absolutely. I'll send you a link after we're, okay, after we're all good. Okay. Have Bye. a good night. <laughs> Bye. Bye. So that was, you know, short and sweet this week. I didn't really want to like do too much because like I said, there there is a lot that's happening. There's a lot that's going on. And I already know that Ben comes behind me with like the bam, 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 bam. So I wanted to kind of like smooth it out, do a little something. Well, I do these types of interviews sometimes, but I really wanted to have a conversation with someone who actually is, like I said, doing this specific type of work instead of me pontificating for 45 minutes about, you know, the latest headlines and and what's going on. Um, You know, it's like I said, it's good to actually hear from people who are directly organizing, who are engaged. You know, I didn't get into it with Namira, but I'll bring her back some other time. We can talk more about her work. I'm actually working as a lawyer in Flint. Um, organizing with, with, with low-income communities. And stuff like that. I mean, so there's so many amazing people out there. And yes, social media can be accessible. Twitter can be a... Ugh. But it also has helped me find and meet so many awesome people um, who are doing really great work, who are really engaged in their communities and regionally. And I think that as, mo- as we continue to lift up folks and their voices and their work, we help build and strengthen our networks and allegiances and alliances and this is how we not only, quote unquote, defeat Trump, right? And this is not only how we, we push back against this current administration, but how we really start digging in deep and, and start, you know, tearing away at the systemic, um, the systemic oppressions, the systemic issues that, that, that continue to plague our communities and society as a whole. I mean, that's not just some altruistic, you know, pie in the sky stuff. Like, I really think we start, these are the building blocks to actually addressing these issues is having these conversations Um you know, building, sharing content with other people who may not necessarily even to get to sit here and watch us live. Um, so, yeah, so. Um, so I do have some patrons, new patrons, which I almost forgot. Uh, thank, thank you. Shout out to David, who keeps me in line. <laughs> 
on track. Um, but I do have a couple of patrons and definitely, you know, you guys, thank you so much for helping and contributing. Those of you who have, if you have not done so and would like to become a patron of the way, definitely need every dollar, $2, $3, five, 25 we can get. Um, it's patreon.com slash the way with Anoa. Um, I just actually was was talking with the, the, the guys from the District Sentinel earlier. They just launched their own Patreon. So if you have a little extra, go definitely check them out as well. They they are now self-funding their podcast. And the, the District Sentinel does really great work coming out of the Beltway. So definitely go check Sam and Sam out. Um, but I have patrons that I need to thank. And, and they are Lisa. Nisa. Oh, no, it's Nisa, not Lisa. <laughs> Misa, like mother, like 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 Game of Thrones. See, I have I had a little guy in my ear. Well, he's not a little guy, but anyway. So Misa, shout out to Misa. Thank you. Misa, Misa Game of Thrones is mother. Nick, because there's a couple of Nicks on my list, but Nick, you know. And Becky. Oh, and Becky. Shout out to Becky. Becky is one of, is one of the members of our leftist ladies group. Um, you guys probably remember when I've done um, the, 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 the two women's roundtables earlier. Shout out to Becky. That's one of my sisters from the roundtables. You know, she, she, she puts up with me and Wendy and, and Dr. Amina <laughs> and, and Karen and Q. So, so she brings balance to our, quite a few of the ladies bring balance and stuff. But as we're closing out tonight, I, Again, just 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 really look, think about what issues are going on where you are. There's so many different efforts and stuff. Everybody got an organization, like literally almost everybody has an organization these days. Just figure out what works for you and plug in where you can. If you're not sure, you know, think about the issues that are coming up in your community. Like we have done, Michael Redwine and myself have been connected with, shout out to Zakia Ansari with the Alliance of Quality Education up in New York. You know, great group of people fighting for, you know, education, equity and justice for 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 all of New York's children. And there are so many other groups like that nationwide, particularly as we're facing, you know, the confirmation, potential confirmation of Betsy DeVos. Um, but 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 they had a really great tweet earlier and, and, and it was a quote with Malcolm X. And I, I really appreciate it. And I thought that it's actually exactly where we have been, maybe not operating in that space, but definitely where we find ourselves right now. So the tweet itself says, fight, 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 education is right. You know, it's the beginning of Black History Month. Um, and it said, it's time to end the systemic racism ingrained in school funding, fund CFE. And in New York, I've talked about it previously, and I'll be talking about it again, because I will actually be at their, there's a People's March for Education Equality, I think it's called, happening in all over New York State, March 4th. And I will be in New York then for that, which is very awesome. Shout out to, again, thank you, Zakia, for, for uh, inviting me up. Um, but the quote from Malcolm X is, we are not fighting for integration, nor are we fighting for separation. We are fighting for recognition as human beings. And in fact, we are actually fighting for rights that are even greater than civil rights, and that is human rights. Because that is actually at the center of everything we're talking about these days. Everything is is centered in human rights, and our rights to exist as people and our rights to exist as equals and our rights to have the freedom of enjoyment of living our lives, raising our families and existing. Right. And so we continue to support each other. We continue to build up good work. I know sometimes I get all free to be you and me, hokey, hokey. But really, it's it's that this most basic human to human recognition that we need to see more of. Now, how we actually do that, where that comes from, how we build that out. 
We need to keep talking about it and we need to keep working. And I know that we have a short amount of time. I literally have a short amount of time because Ben is coming right behind me. But we need to get where we can get in with local organizing, local groups and build up our numbers and build up that power because we actually have the numbers to turn things around. We just don't leverage our voices collectively. We may not have the money, but we definitely have the people. We have the power. We have the energy. We have the tools. We have the talent, as my dad always says. So this has been Away With Noah. Talk to you next week. Peace. Noah.